This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Welcome to episode 36 of the SuperAge podcast. Great to have you with us. This will be dropping on May the 20th, 2021. We're recording today back in Park City, Utah. We spent last week in Los Angeles, um, where I lived for about 15 years. And it was great to be back in the city, I gotta say. Um, you know, I grew up in the country and I love the country, um, but I've spent the better part of the last, well, I don't know, 45 years living in big cities and I'm an urbanite, <laughs> what can I say? It, it's really nice being in a city. Um, you know, there's a lot of downsides. There's traffic, there's the smog, there's everything's a hassle, people aren't so friendly, especially compared to Utah where people are like super friendly. Um, but it was, it was great. I, um, we did a little work, met with clients, met with some of the team and met with a bunch of friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. And it's, you know, a lot of this is, you know, the vaccination thing is rolling along nicely. I'm, you know, I've got, I had my second fax, like, I don't know, a couple months ago. So we can, you know, do all those sort of normal things again. And it felt really great. It was nice. There's something about this sort of two track lifestyle. And I, my recollection is that, uh, Carl Jung had a similar thing where he would he would go to the city and he would do his thing there for a while um, and then he would go out to the country and sort of digest everything that he learned and so he you know he kind of go back and forth and if I recall correctly I believe that Thoreau who wrote Walden I I think he did the same thing I think but but his it was like twenty minutes like by I don't know walking or horse from you know, town to um, his cabin um, out on the pond. And, you know, I, I always thought that, like, having two places was just kind of a pain, right? You got, like, two things to take care of. But there's something really nice about having this time of intake and then digestion and then go back, intake, digestion. And so digestion is the wrong word for that. Processing, better word. Today on the show, we have Dr. Rudy Tanzi, really a remarkable guy. So on the one hand... Rudy is a musician. He's one of the world's foremost players of the Hammond B3 organ. He's played with Aerosmith. He's played with uh, Joe Perry and Johnny Depp. He has a website where he has uh, a vast amount of his own compositions and recordings that you can download and listen to. And um, we'll leave that in the text down below so you can look at that and check that out if you want. But that's not what Rudy's famous for. Um, Rudy is one of the world's foremost brain scientists. Now, Rudy is not just a regular run-of-the-mill brain scientist, but one of the foremost in the world. And I'm, I'm just going to read some of the stuff from his bio here. So he's the vice chair of neurology and director of genetics and aging research at Mass General. He's the Joseph P. and Rose F. Kennedy professor of neurology at the Harvard Medical School. He's published over 500 research papers, received the highest awards in his field, as well as the Smithsonian American Ingenuity Award. 
He was named the Time Magazine list of the Time 100 Most Influential People in 2015. He's co-authored popular books called Decoding Darkness. He's had three bestsellers, including Super Brain and Super Genes. And when he was a young pup of 22, he's the one who discovered early-onset familiar Alzheimer's um, at 22. Wow. And so he's just gone on to great things. So one of the other things that Rudy has done is that he has the, um, a model of a, what he calls a brain in a dish. It's essentially a model, uh, like not really a functioning, but um, a reasonable facsimile of a human brain in a dish. And with that, he can cause this model to have the plaques and tangles that are associated with Alzheimer's and then test a whole range of different um, medications, natural products, all manner of things to find out what really reduces the plaques and tangles. So he's tested hundreds, probably thousands of these now, and he's going to tell us exactly what's working and what's not working. So super honored to have Dr. Rudy Tanzi on the show in a few minutes after a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is really unlike anything that I've ever done before. It's a combination of a blood test with 45 specific biomarkers. And then there's a genetic test for your DNA. And then it's linked to your Fitbit or your Apple Watch, whatever your activity tracker of choice is. From this, it gives you very specific targeted suggestions on what to eat, what not to eat, how to change your activity, how to improve your sleep. It's a whole different ballgame than anything I've seen before. If you want to increase your health span, your longevity, if you want to get stronger, I've never seen anything quite like this. I've gotten a lot of information over the years from various professionals, and it's all disjointed. It's not hooked together like this. It doesn't tell you the exact things in the way that the Inside Tracker platform does. So I'm a huge fan. Check it out. Go to the front of the Aegis website. You'll see a 25% off ad for anything that Inside Tracker offers. I think it's a fantastic value, and I encourage all of my friends to sign up for Inside Tracker. Hey, Rudy, how are you today? Very good. How are you? I'm good. It's so wonderful to see you. I so enjoy our conversations. Me too. How has COVID been for you? You know, COVID lockdown. uh, Well, I mean, I'm getting back to work now, you know, on site once or twice a week, but uh, I'm probably going to maintain this hybrid life. It's kind of nice not to have to deal with rush hour and it keeps your stress levels down. But I think, you know, not traveling and eating at restaurants, um, I was able to lose about almost 25 pounds. So, wow, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that because I realized, and then I, you know, my, my family and I just went to a restaurant over the weekend, you know, and uh, I realized that, you know, even ordering, even sharing apps and one entree between three of us, it's more food than I eat all day, you know? And I realized that we just eat so much when we go to restaurants, I think it's normal. And um, you know, it's just, uh, that's how you gain weight, you know, eating out. And so not traveling and not, having to do meeting dinners and not drinking as much, uh, just the weight came off naturally. It was nice. <laughs> I've heard the description of um, COVID lockdown is people are one of three types, the chunk, the hunk, or the drunk. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I don't know where I am at. <laughs> yeah, I think you moved towards the hunk end of the spectrum there. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so um, before we get into brain stuff, um, I, I want to just touch base on music with you. Have have um, how's that been? Have you been able to collaborate with other musicians during you know lockdown? Well, you know, I'm I've been very prolific on my own website. I got my own music website on right. numberonemusic.com. And um, and I I don't know, I think during the pandemic I did for in terms of piano solos, I did I can't I lost track, but I think five new albums mm. where I do, you know, Keith Jarrett inspired improvisational piano solos all around a theme. So I did one on, you know, getting through the pandemic, one on hope, you know, uh, when Keith Jarrett uh, announced he had a stroke. I mean, in one year, poor Keith Jarrett, he lost both his trio members, greatest piano trio ever. And then he had a stroke and he lost use of his left hand. Yeah. And so I can only imagine what he's going through. And so I actually wrote a whole album dedicated to Keith Jarrett on the website about the different stages he must have gone through in realizing that he's not going to have his left hand to use, at least not until hopefully, you know, there's some regeneration of those neurons that are, that are hit during a stroke. And now I'm just, and now, you know, sitting here and we're at my home office, I'm looking out all the time at birds and I live in the forest. So uh, I'm doing a new album called Avian and I'm doing a piece on each bird that I look out every day, like one on wood doves, one on robins, one on blue jays, and so I'm just starting to put those out for a new album too. So it's a lot of fun. But in terms of playing with people, I just I just interviewed Joe Perry, who's my uh, used to be my bandmate before pandemic. Joe Perry is the founder and lead guitarist for Aerosmith, and uh, for the Vatican conference, uh, it was great. I, I interviewed Joe on creativity and music and science and how they kind of feed into each other, and that was a lot of fun. We just did that. That was just, just came on a line about a week ago. And uh, I did another one with Deepak Chopra and Dr. Oz on brain health and inflammation. Yeah. So it was like from Deepak and Dr. Oz to Joe Perry in the same conference. <laughs> it was kind of fun. But Joe and I were talking about the fact that we haven't played and we, we just miss playing. And, you know, and some of the musicians we play with have gone out now and they're getting back into the studio and playing again. So I, I hope I get to play with these guys again soon. Yeah. Um, that'd be wonderful. Joe's a, Joe's a lovely guy. Um, yes, wonderful guy. And uh, you know, we, our last album was so much fun. We did, we we last Joe Perry album we did we recorded at Johnny Depp's house at his studio and beautiful studio and had so many interesting guest singers come in: David Johansson, Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, and Terry Reed from the UK. And that was a blast. I want to do that again. <laughs> Oh, that sounds awesome, man. Yeah. What a, what a fascinating sort of, um, you know, dichotomy of life that you have. The, you know, Joe and Johnny Depp on one side and then super, you know, brain science on the other side. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have to say uh, that of all the things I do, I, I enjoy nothing more um, than looking at an Excel sheet with lots of rows and columns, a font of eight that keeps my eyesight <laughs> up of, of just pure data. And just, I could spend hours just sorting 
just finding ways to sort and go through Excel sheets of data. And, and that's probably when I'm happy. A second would be playing music with Joe Perry and the guys. And, uh, and I think third is just having a good sot song, a good uh, deep out there conversation with Deepak Chopra about what our next book might be. And the fourth thing I do is I'm, I'm the brain health consultant for the New England Patriots. So oh, yeah. on the total other side of the coin, I, I enjoy a lot just my conversations with Bill Belichick about how we're going to keep NFL players healthy while they entertain America and, 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 you know, and do so much damage to their brains in doing so, you know, what can you do back for them to help keep their brains healthy? So that's a whole other part of what I do. <laughs> so, so I, are you, do you think that, um, you know, if someone has, um, brain injury, um, you know, multiple, multiple brain injuries, are, are there ways to regenerate those nerve cells? Well, you know, in the brain, when neurons die, and this is, I wrote about this at length in Superbrain, my first book with Deepak Chopra, there's, um, there's this uh, compensatory regeneration phenomenon. And it's amazing. So let's say you have two neurons next to each other, two nerve cells. And nerve cell A has these connections going out, axons and connections going out to 100 other nerve cells. And because of that, you remember the name of some character on Friends, okay? Like Joey Tribbiani. And, and now that neuron dies um, for whatever reason. Too much alcohol one night, mini stroke, maybe a headbang, or maybe the beginning of Alzheimer's. What will happen is the neuron next to it will somehow magically start to sprout its axons and regain those connections, those synapses that were lost by the neuron that died. How it knows where to go, it's just this kind of neighboring neuron rule, the compensatory regeneration. So in a stroke or headbang, head injury, traumatic brain injury, a bunch of neurons in one group all die together. And then it takes time for now the neighborhood next door, not just neuron next door to neuron, but neighborhoods of neurons next door have to now slowly regain the connections of the neighborhood that died. Mm. So, but somehow there's this amazing ability of neighboring neurons, whether it's one-on-one or, or many-on-many to regain each other's connections uh, post brain injury. Um, and it's, it's still a mystery as to how they know where to go, but it happens. So it takes time to regenerate. So you don't make new neurons Although in one brain area you do, in the hippocampus you do, and we can talk about that. But for the most part, you get, you get new sprouting. You get neurons putting out new extensions, axons, processes to create new synapses um, in order to regain the neural network that was lost. So that's contrary to you know, the <clears throat> old view that once you have some kind of damage to the brain or nerve cell, that that's it. No, I mean, just takes time. And you really have to nurture the brain to do this. So you have to have the right lifestyle, right? You have to get lots of sleep and have a diet that, that reduces inflammation. Inflammation is the biggest killer in the body and brain, you know, exercise. And, and if the, if the stroke affected your short-term memory area called the hippocampus, which is where Alzheimer's first strikes, um, there you can even have new neurons be born. Neurogenesis. It's mm -hmm. one of the only brain regions where that happens. And we had a paper in science 
uh, a couple of years ago where we showed that exercise is better than anything for inducing neurogenesis, birth of new neurons in the hippocampus. And, um, and then we figured out what exercise does and we mimicked it with just two drugs. And then the two drugs we used aren't for human use, but now we're screening supplements to see which two supplements will mimic those two drugs that basically mimic exercise to induce the birth of new nerve cells in the hippocampus. And why is that in mice, these are Alzheimer mice. So these are mice where human Alzheimer genes were placed in them, they're transgenic mice. And these mice, you know, have bad memory as they get older. But if you let them exercise, just give them a running wheel and induce neurogenesis, that running wheel is as good as any drug we try. Now, Amazing. that doesn't mean that getting an Alzheimer patient who's human to exercise is going to make them better because they cannot ever exercise like a mouse. I mean, mice are nuts. Right? They'll get in that <laughs> running, they get in that running wheel and like just picture Forrest Gump on steroids. You know, they just, they just run, Forrest run, they just go all night. And um, so, so we said, well, we're going to have to figure out how to mimic this because we're never going to get somebody to run this much, especially somebody old enough who has Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and how do you test those kind of drugs? You, you, can, you can't test them in a human, right? Or maybe you can. Oh, well, well w- what we did was we said, let's try to find safe, natural products that do the same thing. Right. So, you know, and, and again, I'm not recommending this to anybody yet because we haven't done trials yet, but I'll tell you what we are studying. Please. Um, so to induce neurogenesis, we're using nicotinamide riboside, which is the uh, precursor of NAD+, which is the precursor of ATP, the energy for the cell. So we, we collaborated with a company called Chromadex, for whom I consult, and uh, using their, their nicotinamide riboside called Truniagen, and using that to try to um, induce neurogenesis. And it's quite effective. Um, and then- Can I, I, I just want to stop you. How do you, how do you test that? Oh, you just give it to the mice. Oh, it's in, in a mouse. I see. Yeah, in a mouse. So this is okay. the Alzheimer mouse who exercised. Right. So the control is the exercising mouse, right? The positive control is the mouse with the running wheel. Yep. Because you know that mouse is going to get benefit, get neurogenesis. So give them the running wheel. Then uh, the uh, um, other side of the coin uh, is you give the supplement. And the way you test for neurogenesis is there's a, a particular... Uh, uh, chemical you can use where you can actually look at stains neurons that are proliferating. So anywhere, any newborn neurons, it will tell you who they are, just stains them. So you can actually compare how many neurons they're making. We can also do it in our Alzheimer's in a dish model, right? We created the mini human brain mm. organoid model of Alzheimer's disease. So we use human stem cells. And from there, we make neurons and glial cells, all the different cells of the brain. We put them in a gel that mimics the brain because the brain is like jello. And then we can actually create like a mini brain organoid where we can recreate all of Alzheimer's disease pathology from plaques to tangles to neuroinflammation in five weeks. So we can, we can also see if we induce neurogenesis there and turn down the pathology, turn down the inflammation as well. So, so for neurogenesis, we, we're using nicotinamide riboside, the true niogen, and then we have a whole host of supplements that do the second thing you have to do. So it turns out in the mice, when we saw the exercise worked, we tried to induce neurogenesis alone and that wasn't enough. turns out the little newborn neurons don't live because they're being born in a battle zone of, of, of Alzheimer's disease pathology, right? So they're born and they die. It's like a baby being born in a, a battleground, right? 
So you have to keep the newborn neuron alive. And what we figured out is that exercise does something else. Exercise induces the, the, the release of a growth factor called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. So when, when we wanted to mimic exercise, we had one drug-induced neurogenesis, the other drug-induced BDNF, and sure enough, we mimicked exercise in the mice. For supplements, but you know, we have one that mimics, one that induces the neurogenesis. We said, okay, now we need a supplement that induces BDNF. Well, it turns out that was a lot easier. There's a whole slew of them that induce BDNF. Coffee, fruit, uh, extract, um, an Ayurvedic called Bacopa monieri, um, cat's claw from the Amazonian rainforest. Um, so we can take our pick on those. There's a whole lot of supplements that induce BDNF. And then we try combinations and then see which ones can make them, like literally exercise made the Alzheimer's most cognitively better. Well, if the, we have to find two supplements to do the same thing, then we'll do a trial in Alzheimer's patients with those two supplements. We're already doing a trial with uh, an Alzheimer's with nicotinamide riboside, uh, the true niogen at, at Mass General right now. With, with Alzheimer's patients? Yeah, that's, that's ongoing, yeah. Fascinating. And then we have another trial uh, there's a company I helped start called Amelix with two young guys who I met seven years ago when they were undergraduates at Brown University. And uh, they were Sigma Chi fraternity members and they read that I was a Sigma Chi and they were doing a senior project and uh, they, they came to see me. Uh, they read about me because I was inducted into like the Sigma Chi Hall of Fame. I think Brad Pitt was the other guy that year. And uh, they came to see me and... Um, it was a nascent idea about how to give a bulletproof vest to nerve cells, how to protect them. And uh, the idea was you have, to, you have to protect two points of vulnerability in the cell. The, the, the energy center, which is called the mitochondria, and the part that makes the proteins, which is, consumes the most energy. That's called the ER, for endoplasmic reticulum. So we used uh, the drug for the mitochondria we used was Tudka. There's a taurine analog called TUDCA. You can buy that one on Amazon. The other one wasn't so easy. We had to use a drug that's, that's very expensive because it's only approved for uh, one purpose. It's for a disease that only affects 500 people in the world. And so whenever you have a drug that only is only for 500 people, the price tag's like $100,000 a year if you want to buy it off label. You know, it's, it's, it's free for the people who have the disease, insurance covers it. But that drug's called phenylbutyrate. It's a short chain fatty acid. And that one, that one protects the ER, the Tudka protects the mitochondria. So when we use that combination in, uh, in ALS, an ALS trial at Mass General, it worked. We got a, a positive trial. We slowed down the disease and we published a paper in the New England Journal of Medicine. So these are two kids. They were, they were, they were, they were a senior. One was a graduating, the other one was a senior. And now they get this company Amelix, they're like 27, 28 years old. And the, the drug combination that we use is going for approval now in Canada, in Europe, with the expectation it will be approved there. And then the FDA, of course, is always behind Europe and Canada, and they'll hopefully follow along. And like, I'm literally checking my text every five minutes as we speak, because our Alzheimer phase two trial with the same two drugs is, was just unblinded over the weekend. And we're going to get our results any minute now. So sitting here nervous with my fingers crossed to see how this worked in Alzheimer's disease as well. But Tudka is a over-the-counter supplement that protects the mitochondria. And I, that's on my personal list of, 
of what I take every morning for brain health because, you know, because Tudka, you can aspire over the counter. Um, so let's go there. What, what are you taking in the morning, Rudy? So I, I'll tell you what I take, but I don't, I, I, I just want to give all the caveats. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if all these combinations of supplements is safe. No one's ever taken this combination long enough. Mm-hmm. Check with your doctor. Uh, no clinical trials have been finished yet, so we can't say anything definitive. There's a ton of snake oil out there and brain supplements that are just meant to make money and don't do anything. So whenever you mention brain supplements, you have to be very careful. Uh, and the last, and uh, all of this, all of these are based on what I've learned in my brain in a dish model. So I take the Alzheimer brain in a dish and because it's not a mouse, it's made screening for drugs and natural products that might stop Alzheimer's pathology that comes with age. Uh, uh, 10 times faster and hundred times cheaper, right? And so I can just screen every approved drug that's safe. I can screen natural product libraries from India, China, wherever I want. And I can ask what stops the plaques? What stops the tangles? What stops neuroinflammation? What protects the neurons from neuroinflammation? And do it quickly. And I love the screens with natural products because, you know, at least theoretically, these are safe supplements to take. Again, that's such an unregulated industry. We don't really know if it's completely safe. So I give all these caveats up front, lab-based data, no clinical trials. We're assuming they're all safe. I got to say all that up front. The other thing I got to say up front is two of the, two of the drugs, two of the supplements I take come from companies where I have a financial interest. So I have to state that true Niagen, uh, I'm a consultant for Chromadex. I think I said that earlier. Um, the cat's claw I take comes from a company I started with Alan Snow where we found an extract of cat's claw that is particularly um, potent from uh, the Amazonian rainforest. And we just published a paper in Nature Scientific Reports comparing it to all the other cat's claws and brain supplements to show how much more potent it is in lab models on plaques and tangles, et cetera. So, um, so when I mentioned Percepta as the cat's claw I take, I do, you know, I helped Alan Snow start that company. I have a financial interest. And I also have a consultant for Chromadex, where that's where the true niagen comes from. So that's the two I use where I'm hoping to mimic the exercise effect, right? Uh, neurogenesis and BDNF. Neurogenesis with the hopefully with the true niagen to be the, you know, to be validated. And Perceptor, the cat's claw for the BDNF, again, to be validated, all lab model based, no clinical trials. Uh, the other ones I take, I take vitamin D3 because of COVID, right? I mean, I'm vaccinated and all, but I think the data that showed that vitamin D3 and vitamin D levels is the biggest factor to determine whether you're going to have a severe COVID um, reaction or not. It's just, you know, it's, I, I don't understand why we're not just shipping, you know, tons of vitamin D3 to India right now. You know, I, I, I actually wrote to, to folks high up in Washington to, and to say, look, India historically has the lowest blood vitamin D levels in the world. Why do you think they're getting so sick? Yeah, it's not just the variant, right? Just get as much vitamin D3 as you can there and tell them to take it if you want to stop this atrocity that's going on. So I I take 2000 units, meaning two capsules of vitamin D3 a day, just, just in case a variant comes along with my vaccination that, that makes me ill, you know, it's going to help. Um, I take vitamin B12, which is, you know, which is, I take the uh, methylcobalamin, which is more, I take a chewable methylcobalamin because it's more accessible to the body. Um, And then um, 
I take CoQ10 because I take a statin for my cholesterol. I have a family history of heart disease. So because I take a statin, the CoQ10 helps offset the side effects of statins. Um, then the strange things I take, if that's not strange enough, there are a bunch that came up on my screen that I take. And again, I'm assuming these are all safe, but you know, uh, I'm old enough that if, the, if they're not safe, that you know, I just figure, hey, it's making my brain happy and I feel so focused, you know? And so I keep trying them until I learn otherwise. But the other ones I take uh, include um, Fisetin, which is F-I-S-E-T-I-N, because that came up as protecting against neuroinflammation. Quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N, that came up against neuroinflammation. What's your dosage um, on quercetin? Quercetin I take, I can tell you in a minute. Um, it's, it's, it's a big capsule. Um, uh, I think it's, it might be 500 milligrams. And the fisetin is smaller. The fisetin I think is just 150. And the true niogen I take 300 milligrams. Um, oh, I forgot. I take vegan omega-3. I don't trust fish oil because, you know, fatty fish store all those nasty heavy metals that are in the ocean. So unless you're paying, you know, plus I'm vegetarian. So that's the other reason. But if you're going to take fish oil for omega-3, make sure you're paying a lot of money for it. And it's triple distilled just to get those metals out. Like the Nordic Naturals has a good one. It's clean. We're, I didn't, you can get um, vegan omega-3s? Yeah, yeah. Spectrum. And I have no relationship with them, but Spectrum sells a algae-derived uh, vegan omega-3. So I take that. Um, I take ashwagandha. Um, and ashwagandha, I got to mention, it comes from Douglas Labs because there's a lot of bad ashwagandha out there that's from leaves and not from roots. It's got to be the ashwagandha that comes from roots. And I take that at night because that can make you sleepy. But that helps get the amyloid out of your, helps get amyloid exported out of the brain based on our lab models. Um, I also take selenium, um, and the last one I take comes from the Chinese, uh, flower from skullcap and that's called bicolin and, uh, comes from the skullcap flower. So that's a lot. It's a handful, like literally a handful, but, um, I figure who better to experiment on than myself. You know, I'm kind of serious scientist, half biohacker, I guess. So. Um, but I, I just monitor how I feel. I take Tudka. I also, I think I mentioned, I take, I also take Tudka, T-U-D-C-A. Um, so it's a handful, but you know, um, I gotta tell you, I, I, I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders. You know, it, 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 I think it not only helps with brain health, but a healthy brain helps with mental vitality as well. So again, all the caveats, no trials, there's lots of snake oil out there. Who knows? It only came from lab-based models. I don't know the true safety of taking all these things together. Buyer beware, but I take them. Yes. I mean, I, I was speaking to um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Ronnie from um, Aspen Brain Health, Aspen Brain Institute. And she was saying like, you know, nowadays we're all like an experiment N of one. Yeah. Because um, you just don't, like, as you said, you, I mean, you just rattle off a dozen things and who knows what happens if you take them all together, probably fine, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, uh, it, it, it is a bit of a risk because we really don't know everything about these, these molecules that, you know, just because the FDA says they're safe, they're generally regarded as safe grass, G-R-A-S. We really don't know. 
And so um, I, when I tell friends or family or, or local sports teams, this is a good way to protect your brain. I give them all the caveats and say, you know, use it your own risk, but they make me feel pretty good. And in our dish models, they sure do. These are the best ones uh, to hedge against this Alzheimer's pathology that begins in all of us after 40 years old, you know? And, and, I, th- and I think also there's the difference between the dish and the human is the human has a digestive tract. Um, and so just, just because you put it in the human doesn't mean it, you know, all of it goes where it should go. We really, do, I, exactly. All those caveats cannot be em- emphasized enough. And um, that, that's so it. I'm going to go to Amazon and buy all yeah. this right so after the phone. Well, I'll give you my list of links of ones that I found, the ones I used in my dish. So, you know, at least you're buying the same ones if you want. Oh, super. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. But, but I, you know, I, I think the, the thing is that, that, that um, if, if, if you're younger, you may not have to take all of them. You know, it may just be just a few of them. Um, I think as you get older, you know, look, and everybody after 40, Plaques and tangles are starting. And I like to say the plaques are like the match. And the, the amyloid plaques in the brain are like the match, that, that like the brush fires of the, what are called the neurofibrillary tangles that start killing nerve cells from inside. Happens in everyone as we get older. Mm. Um, and then when that triggers neuroinflammation, 10 to 100 times more nerve cells die. And that's when you start heading towards symptoms. Mm. So the main thing I emphasize in the supplements that I test and take is how to stop neuroinflammation or protect against it. Like mm-hmm. the Amelix, the Amelix drugs, you know, the company that, with the two kids, I still call them two kids. They're 28 years old now, <laughs> but they're always kids to me. Um, you know, those two drugs were aimed at, at protecting the neuron from neuroinflammation. Uh, I have other compounds that came up that seem to stop the neuroinflammation. The, the cells that cause the killing in the brain that cause neuroinflammation, they, they chill those cells out, you know, the microglial cells. I call them microglial chill pills. So, um, but the only way to do this is just to slowly do the clinical trials, you know, and you got to find a supplement company that's willing to help you, like Chromadex nicely matched us in funding, you know, to do the Alzheimer trial. And we're doing a, a long, you know, uh, a COVID long calling trial for brain fog using true knowledge mm. as well. Uh, you're doing them one by one and then you start doing combinations. But like, you know, with the Cure Alzheimer's Fund, who I work with closely, Cure Alzheimer's Fund funded this five-year program to screen every drug and every natural product we could in our Alzheimer brain in a dish model. And now we have a hundred hits, a hundred combined approved drugs and natural products that hit that stop either the plaques or they stop the tangles or they stop the neuroinflammation or protect against it. And now we're using AI and deep machine learning to say, what are the best combinations of these hits that predict the greatest safety? And believe it or not, even though I say that I don't know if these supplements are safe, what I do know is that if you look at the data on what these supplements do to gene expression, so you can look online and find how all the different genes and their activity, or as we call it expression changes in response to these supplements, that can be used to predict their safety. Mm. So I, so I'm, I'm fairly certain that everything I'm taking alone is safe, based on their transcriptomic profiles. What I don't know is taking them together. 
Uh, what I also don't know is what my digestive tract, like you're saying, is doing to them and creating metabolites that may not have been tested transcriptomically because they they're tested in rats and mice who may not have the same metabolites made that we make. So there's all those question marks as well. Um, before we, we started, you mentioned uh, you're doing a new resveratrol trial for brain health and resveratrol has had a, a sort of a mixed history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is a company that, that took me on as a consultant. I decided to help them because they have a, a different formulation of resveratrol that they convinced me has better uh, stability, better pharmacodynamics, pharmacokinetics. The company's called Jupiter Orphan Therapeutics, J-O-T. And they call their resveratrol Jotrol, J-O-T-R-O-L. And, you know, and when I saw their data, because of course I, I remember, you know, when David Sinclair and Lenny Garanti started their resveratrol company and sold it for big bucks to GSK and then the whole thing crashed and burned. It turned into yeah. a fiasco. And it gave resveratrol a very bad name. Um, um, you know, that that's what a lot of people remember. And um, so I've always been kind of negative on it. But and you know, and you and like I, you know, you can't drink enough red wine to get enough resveratrol to help you. So you need to have the supplement. But when they showed me that data with this new formulation, I was uh, intrigued. So I tested. Um, resveratrol directly in the dish. I didn't need, I didn't need their resveratrol in this case, because it wasn't, it was, I didn't have to worry about stability. I'm adding it directly to my dish model. And I saw the effects on the, the microglial cells, the microglial cells in your brain are normally cleaning your brain at night. They're like little mm -hmm. housekeeper scrubby bubbles at night while you sleep, they get rid of the amyloid plaque and the debris. That's why you have to get enough sleep. That's why the first letter in my brain acronym shield is sleep, right? Um, well, those same microglial cells while they're cleaning, if they happen to eat a piece of a nerve cell, that a red flag goes off because at the same time they're housekeeping, they're, they're also watchdogs, they're sentinels, and they're looking out to see if nerve cells are dying because they, they've been evolutionarily programmed for tens of thousands of years that if they sense nerve cells are dying by literally eating part of a dead nerve cell, they switch from housekeeper to killer. They assume that part of the brain's infected. Mm. And they say, wipe it out. We can't let this infection spread. So, so you know, 20,000 years ago, that was good, right? Average lifespan was 25 years old. You're an 18 year old running around in the jungle and your neurons are dying. Well, you don't have Alzheimer's. You probably didn't have a stroke. You probably got a bad mosquito bite. Mm. And you have encephalitis or meningitis. Mm. So in that case, it's good that, that his microglial cells said, wipe out this part of the brain, it's infected, don't let it spread. Um, but now today, you get somebody 70, 80 years old, where neurons are dying because of how long we live and we're making plaques and tangles and it might have, might have nothing to do with infection. But the microglial cells don't know that. They didn't get that memo. So while they're cleaning at night while you sleep, they eat some nerve cells some nerve cell membranes from nerve cells that died. If that happens enough, it gives them a signal. These signals are called PAMPs and DAMPs. And they say, whoa, stop cleaning, take off the apron, right? Put on the SWAT gear, we're taking this region out. This is what causes enough nerve cell death to give you Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Huntington's, or after a stroke. 
So like in Alzheimer's, the plaques and tangles come in your 40s and 50s and slowly spread like match and brush fires that spread. But, oh, but the neuroinflammation, inflammation is the forest fire. And the more of these forest fires you get versus brush fires, that's when you're killing a bulk of nerve cells and lots of synapses. And that's when you get the disease. And we know that because of what are called resilient brains. So resilient brains is every once in a while, somebody in their 80s, let's say, dies with no cognitive problems. They died in their 80s, mentally astute their whole life. And then the neuropathologist says, hey, this guy had Alzheimer's because he sees all these plaques and tangles. Nope, nope, went back to the records, no Alzheimer's. Then you keep looking in the brain, no signs of neuroinflammation. So for a certain lucky few, an exceptionally few, they, you stop making plaques and tangles at 40, some nerve cells start dying, but the microglial cells stay chilled out and stay housekeeping and don't become killers. And so it's genetically. So genetically, they had mutations that kept their microglial cells from converting. So my lab discovered the first gene that converts them. It was the first Alzheimer's gene involved in this pathway called CD33. So we use that gene, which is the on switch. Just CD33, when it's turned on, it says, stop being a housekeeper and stop killing. So we use that gene in our 3D models to screen to ask, how can we find microglial chill pills? Drugs or natural products that tell the microglial cells, keep calm, carry on, keep cleaning. Just because you tasted a dead neuron doesn't mean there's an infection, no need to go nuts. Because if they go nuts and they start eating too many neurons, that's what leads to the symptoms. Mm. And we have 50 new hits, 50 dr uh, uh, drugs or natural products that chill those microglial cells that we're ready to start getting into trials now. Wow. Amazing. That's what, cure, that's what Cure Alzheimer's Fund. If anybody wants to support Alzheimer's research, Cure Alzheimer's Fund is by far the number one in the world for highest impact research. They don't do all the other stuff like the outreach and the family stuff that Alzheimer's Association does for, for pure high impact research. They give out $22 million a year and they funded this whole program, this whole drug screening program. And the cool thing about Cure Alzheimer's Fund, it's uh, curealz.org, is a dollar in is a dollar out. They take no overhead out of your money. So if you give a dollar, the, the founders and board members cover all the overhead. Your $1 in is a dollar out to research. Nobody else does that. Mm. Yeah. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So what else you got going on? I've, I've, I've got a lot of trials. You mentioned a few. You've got, you've got an NR trial. You've got resveratrol. Um, you have the Amalex. What else are you working on? Yeah, so there's a trial uh, that's ongoing at, at another company uh, that's that's using an asthma drug as a microglial chill pill. It's uh, chromalin. Uh, now, don't go buying chromalin because it doesn't get into your brain. Um, this is a special formulation of the asthma drug chromalin that does get into the brain. And that trial is ongoing. Um, so if you want to treat a patient who has a neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's now, you have to either stop the neuroinflammation, slow it down, or protect the neurons from it. But if you, in the future, what we'll do is we'll use those types of drugs early on at the first sign of pathology in the brain. And remember that plaques and tangles 
are starting in the brain, you know, in, 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 in your 40s and 50s. So we're seeing now the emergence of blood tests and brain imaging. Um, I even started a company called React Neuro that is using, a, React Neuro uses a, a virtual reality device to give you a neuropsych exam and it's checking your eye movements and eye tracking at the same time, which is indicative of brain health. And it's analyzing your voice, which is also indicative of brain health, language assembly, speech, cadence of voice. And it combines the neuropsych exam of virtual reality, the eye scanning and tracking with the voice analysis into uh, uh, to spit out what's called your brain health index. So this is to detect how we're trying to develop the equivalent of a blood pressure cuff for the brain. In other words, a device that assesses your brain health so that every year you go to the doctor, when you get your physical, you get your mental, right? Because normally from the neck up, there's no checkup, right? Doctor gets above your neck. He looks in the holes in your head, in your eyes, nose, ears, mouth, you're done. Doesn't ask about the brain, doesn't look at the brain. So we're trying to change that. So all these different tests are coming along, whether it's blood-based or brain imaging or digital, where we're going to assess brain health and know early on, are you on your way? Because right now, the elephant in the room is that we don't diagnose Alzheimer's disease until the brain has degenerated to the point of dysfunction. We don't so do that, that with, right? Yeah, we don't do I, that with diabetes. I think <laughs> that's fascinating. Disease. Right, yeah. right. I can go in and get a CT scan of my heart yeah. and, and, and we'll know right away what's going on. You, it, like for a brain, what do you do? Even before that, you, 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 get, you check your cholesterol. Yeah. Uh, you don't wait till you lose half your, your beta cells in your pancreas to say, okay, now we're going to treat you for diabetes. You, you look at glucose and insulin early on, right? We don't do that for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and ALS. We wait till the brain degenerates and then react. we're reactive. Like, oh, the brain degenerated to the point that it doesn't function right. Let's try to bring it back. Well, the only way you can do that is stop, stop the fire, neuroinflammation. Right. If you want to be proactive which is where we're going in the future, proactive about brain health. You need to detect these diseases early on and you need to know they're coming. So I actually uh, uh, helped co-found a new center at Mass General Hospital where I work called the McCants Center for Brain Health. Hmm. And Henry McCants, who, uh, who it's named for, is also the head of the board of Cure Alzheimer's Fund. And he said, I, I wanna do something that's proactive. So this center is trying to find the indicators of brain health and the indicators and biomarkers of brain disease two or three decades before it strikes. Same way you detect cholesterol that's high two decades before you might have heart disease, or three decades or more, right? How, what is the cholesterol for, for Alzheimer's? Uh, what is the insulin glucose of diabetes for Alzheimer's? So we're getting these indicators now. I have a new paper, we have a new paper in press and Alzheimer's and dementia, where with the Harvard Aging Brain Study with uh, Risa Sperling, these are 300 people they have been tracked for five years who are normal elderly. And we're looking at the amyloid levels in their brain by imaging, tangle levels, we're giving cognitive tests, we're collecting their blood along the way. And we looked for blood-based biomarkers that might predict either a negative or positive cognitive trajectory as you get older. And we found two new biomarkers in the blood that are related to the, uh, the uh, neuroinflammation that predict uh, if you're aging in a cognitively good way or bad way. So this is, and this was between the McCann Center and the Harvard Aging Brain Study. So the idea is get 
all these indicators of brain health collected. So you can know early on, A, is my brain healthy, right? So when you go for your exam every year, between the, the digital device and the, the blood test, you can get an idea of whether your brain is healthy, the same way you, you know whether your heart or how your pancreas is doing. Um, then the second part of it is if, if it looks like your brain is not as healthy as it should be or it's going downhill, then and you can get a brain imaging done and you can say, oh, you know, your blood test said you have high amyloid or high tangles. We did imaging to check that. And it looks like you're in the upper 95th percentile for how much plaque and tangle you have at your age of 50 years old. We need to be proactive and do something about it. So that means that we need drugs that can be used just like a statin for cholesterol to start treating Alzheimer's 20 or 30 years before, as soon as you know, you have more plaque and tangle in your head than you should for your age. And that's how we're going to stop Alzheimer's disease, nip it in the bud, early detection, early intervention. So for that purpose, I have a new drug. I say new, but it took 20 years to make this drug with my colleague, Steve Wagner in San Diego but we have a drug that stops the amyloid. And um, it took, it's a whole new class of drug, never been a man before. So right now we're at, at the phase of talking to the FDA with our data to show it's safe enough to get it into safety clinical trials in humans, and hopefully by the end of this year. And if this drug works and it's safe, this would be the drug you take like the statin for cholesterol. When you find out you, you do your blood test, there's already a blood test for amyloid, C2N, C, the company C2N already has an amyloid blood test. There's already a, approved brain imaging for amyloid that Lilly owns. So let's say you know your amyloid's too high. This is the drug you would take to bring it back down two decades or more, certainly within a decade of getting any symptoms. So you start mm. treating Alzheimer's at the stage of pathology. You don't wait for it to stop the fire of neuroinflammation and cause dysfunction and degeneration. That's how we're going to go forward. So that drug is the drug I'm developing for that purpose is called a gamma secretase modulator, GSM. And the idea is it's going to, is it, it, is it brings the amyloid levels back down. And the most amazing thing about that drug <clears throat> is that it is predicted based on lab models to work against the most horrible form of Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, in my career back in the eighties and nineties, um, I was, one of the people that discovered the first Alzheimer genes, right? The amyloid precursor protein that makes the plaque, the presenilins that help make the plaque. So the first three genes all said, led to more amyloid in the brain. Amyloid precursor protein or APP, presenilin one, presenilin two. Now, those three genes contain about 300 mutations that account for two to 3% of Alzheimer's. And that two to 3% strikes under 60 years old and for those mutations and those three genes, when you inherit them, you are guaranteed to get the disease. It's a death sentence. Mm -hmm. So I would have, you know, meetings in my office with family members, like a 30-year-old woman with two kids, five and six years old, and she has the mutation. And these, these are, the, like I say, the horrible form of Alzheimer's. And you have to say, well, this mutation guarantees you're going to have Alzheimer's disease by 50 years old. You'll probably have full-blown Alzheimer's at 45 based on what this mutation does. Mm. And, and she's, you know, and she's sitting there, you know, devastated, crying that, you know, realizing that she's going to not know who her kids are when they're uh, entering into college. So that 
is the worst form of Alzheimer's, two to 3% of cases. And luckily in 97 to 98% of cases, there are 75 different genes involved, but with each and every one of them, lifestyle matters. So that's the good news. 97 to 98% of Alzheimer's genetically predisposed, lifestyle can offset it, okay? But the bad news is for these families with the two to 3%. Our new drug, this GSM, in the lab-based models will reverse the effects of those mutations. It will stop the amyloid with those mutations, at least in lab models and in the dish and in mice. So we're hoping if it's safe, for the first time, we'll be able to go to people with this most horrible form of Alzheimer's and offer them hope if they start taking this drug early on, assuming it's safe enough. That's what we're hoping for. Wow. Yeah, I'm just imagining that woman in the room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so we've been talking a lot about uh, brain inflammation. Um, you know, I read a thing the other day about people who experience um, some form of hearing loss are more prone to develop Alzheimer's. Yeah, there's a chicken and egg there, right? Um, so in SHIELD, right? My acronym SHIELD, mm -hmm. S is sleep, H is handling stress, I is interaction with others. Right. And E is exercise, L is learn new things, D is diet, Mediterranean diet, take care of your gut microbiome. And by the way, I started a new company on gut microbiome, I have to tell you too later. Okay. But on the but I interaction, see, the brain uh, suffers from not being social and not having social interaction. Loneliness, meaning being alone and stressed about it, increases risk for Alzheimer's twofold. So mm. what so we don't know if Alzheimer's disease causes impaired hearing, and that's the reason why it's associated with the disease. The other possibility is that when you can't hear very well, you start to shy away from conversations, mm. social interaction. You're right. sitting at the table with everybody, but it's like your ears are blocked, you can't hear, and so you're not getting that stimulation of your neurons. You're not getting this things like learning new things. Like you have a conversation with somebody, you learn something new, even if it's gossip, right? So I tend to think that's more the issue, that if you can't hear well, you become socially withdrawn, you don't get the intellectual stimulation, the social stimulation, and that becomes a risk factor for the disease. Mm. But we haven't ruled out whether hearing loss could be a, an early symptom of the disease as well. We Just like depression and this is in the same thing. We don't know if Dep depression is caused by the disease early on or whether depression then is a risk factor leading to disease, right? It's another chicken mm -hmm. question. Mm. Um, and so all of these drugs that you're working on, they need to cross the blood brain barrier. Yeah. So well, that's a challenge. Well, you know, like the GSM, the gamma secretase modulator, we know it does. We, mm -hmm. you, when you test it, you do what's called plasma brain ratio. You see how much gets into the brain. Um, for some of these supplements that I mentioned, um, for some of them, we know they get into the brain. For others, it's a leap of faith, to be honest. Yeah. You know, uh, we just don't know for sure. You can predict based on the size of the active ingredient. If it's small enough, it should get in. Or if it's uh, of a certain, what's called hydrophobicity, it should get in. So you, there were very, very good algorithms out there where you just put in the chemical structure and it, and it will predict really well whether it gets it's going to get into the brain or not we use we use these algorithms all the time mm. but yeah you know but the other way to get into the brain is from the gut right that, that's what i was going to go with the, with yeah. the microbiome yeah so actually i just i started a company 
uh, with Gary Ruvkin. Uh, Gary Ruvkin discovered microRNAs. I wrote a lot about microRNAs and epigenetics in the second book with Deepak Chopra, the, the, the Supergenes book. And Gary Ruffkin already won the Lasker Prize, which is the precursor to the Nobel, because that's a huge discovery, microRNA. And he spent the last decade isolating every single bacteria that lives in your gut. He, they did it from feces, right? So, you know, most people, you say, name some bacteria that live in your gut, and they can name probiotic bacteria, right? If they're, if they're reading their yogurt container. Oh, acidophilus, bifidobacter, right? Acidobacter. That was, there's a handful of bacteria you read about on your yogurt container or on your kefir, right? But the fact is, there are thousands of strains of bacteria in your gut. And they are happiest when they're eating plants, right? Like you can take probiotics and add five or 10 bacteria that live in your gut, you know, 50 million or whatever, a billion at a time, but you have trillions of bacteria in your gut, trillions. So it's much more important to take care of the ones you have, right? Like if you have a fish tank, you don't let the fish die and just keep adding two or, two or three new ones to the hundred you have in there. You feed the fish. So it's, that's why prebiotics are more important than probiotics. Prebiotics is plant fiber. It's what you get with a Mediterranean diet. So there's no surprise the Mediterranean diet is the most preventative for Alzheimer's disease across epidemiology studies. Seeds, nuts, fruits, veggies, whole grains, um, you know, all the stuff in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the pyramid, the Mediterranean diet pyramid. So you want lots of plant-based fiber, right? Because bacteria, the bacteria in your gut love it. And then that, will, that allows them, you know, it's like a high tide floats all boats. So if they're all being fed well, they don't fight. Because if they fight, especially with age, certain bacteria will win and others lose. So like what happens with age and Alzheimer's is you get bacteroides start to go up, clostridia species go down. That ratio now makes for dysbiosis and un healthy, unbalanced gut, that then causes problems in the brain. Talk to, wait, I, I need to stop you right there. So talk to me about how is my gut affecting my brain? Help me out there. Well, your, the bacteria in your gut are making metabolites that travel to your brain, either through the blood or through the vagus nerve, okay? It's a direct gut-brain axis. So there's this, there's this so the brain actually depends on the gut and the bacteria there and the metabolites they make from your food to, to control everything from mood to the amount of amyloid you make or break and get rid of to neuroinflammation. So like, so we know that in Alzheimer's patients, you see this dysbiosis. You see that this, the bacteroides go up versus the clostridia. Guess what? In Alzheimer's mice, same thing. If you give mice Alzheimer's disease with a human gene over time, as their brain gets sick, you see the same ratio change. Now, you give the mouse a symbiotic, S-Y-N, symbiotic. That means a prebiotic, which is the plant-based fiber. That's the food. And you give them uh, the, uh, a bunch of the bacteria that went down to, uh, to, to, re, to reset that ratio. And you have to give the prebiotic because again, they need food, right? So you don't, you can't just put the probiotic in, 
So that's called a symbiotic. In fact, if you want to mimic this symbiotic in the morning when you eat, have a yogurt with active cultures in it and add a granola or whole grain clusters. I use the uh, kind dark chocolate whole grain clusters because then you get the antioxidants from the dark chocolate too. And, and that, that's a symbiotic. So basically whole grain plus the, uh, 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 the probiotic bacteria, that, that's a symbiotic. So if you give the, my, the mouse a mouse version of a symbiotic, guess what happens? The, the, the amyloid plaques go down, the neuroinflammation goes down, the brain gets better. So, the, so let, think about it, the sick brain made the gut sick. You fix the gut and the, and the healthy gut makes the brain healthy again. Mm. And just to, just to prove it, take the, health, take the mouse you made healthy and feed them the feces, because mice eat feces, they just do it. Feed them the feces of the Alzheimer mouse that wasn't treated and make the gut sick again. And now the brain pathology comes back. Oh, that's crazy. I love the it's way crazy. you explained that. It's crazy. So, so the whole point is that, it, is that as we get older, for some reason, you start to get a natural dysbiosis in the gut. Probably just too much sugar, too much junk food, just catches up to too much fat, you know, too much crap. And so, um, and not enough plants, right? Um, so if you start eating more fruits, veggies, seeds, nuts, whole grains, and keep those bacteria healthy, like I said, the high tide floats all boats. So if all the bacteria are healthy, healthy, they don't have to fight each other. I, I, I like to call it, you know, Game of Thrones. I call it Game of Clones because in your, in your gut, right, when things go bad, like all they're getting is McDonald's French fries and, and, and artificial junk food, they start fighting with each other. And then you get opportunistic bacteria to start to win and your gut bacteria becomes unbalanced and that reflects, that causes things to go bad in your brain. And this isn't just conjecture, woo-woo, read it in Vogue magazine. This is true science behind this. So what we did with this company, Marvel Biome, is we, we said, let's individually screen every strain of bacteria we can find in your gut to see which ones make your brain happiest. Mm. And how we did that was we took advantage of a little uh, organism that eats bacteria for lunch. And that is the nematode, the dirt worm. And in, in, in science, we call it C. elegans, okay? And so Gary made a, a genetic model of the dirt worm that has oxidative stress and mitochondrial dysfunction, mimicking what neuroinflammation does to nerve cells. Remember, Amelix company, we protected nerve cells against oxidative stress caused by neuroinflammation. So here we have C. elegans where you cause oxidative stress with a genetic mutation. Now, picture an index-sized plate with 96 paper punch-sized wells in it. And in every well, you have a single nematode in there, right? Little dirt worm. And in every well, you put one single strain of those 2,500 strains of bacteria we found in the gut, and the nematode eats it. And then we look and say, did it make them better? And we found 10 different bacteria that no one's ever heard of that the FDA doesn't know what to do with because they live in your gut, but it's like not the ones you read on your yoga container. So they're trying to figure out what to do with us. But 10 different bacteria that we can put in a capsule and then put those into the gut and then try to make the brain healthy through the gut. So bugs is drugs. So that's another, <laughs> way, we're, that's another way we're trying to hit neuroinflammation. <laughs> 
I'm going to do the campaign for that one. <laughs> so that's uh, all the things going on right now. Lots of stuff going on. So the, so the, the Marvel Biome product is in what stage is that? So right now we're testing it in animal models of Alzheimer's and ALS. And, uh, and then as we're generating results, which so far look good, uh, we were, we're already talking to the FDA about trials because these aren't drugs, right? These are bugs. And, right. and so you know, if you go to the FDA with gut bacteria that they've heard of that are in your yogurt, they'll say, yeah, go for it. But if you bring them bacteria that they never heard of and say, well, it lives in your gut, we found it in poop. And they're like, oh, uh, yeah, what do we do with that? So I think, <laughs> so we're actually, we and, and the FDA are in a learning process of how do you regulate giving bacteria that normally live in your gut in a capsule? And you have to think maybe too much of this one bacteria that's normally in small amounts is not going to be safe if you give it enough. So we have to figure all that out. And we're trying to figure out how to most safely test these bacteria uh, before we move from the mice mo mouse models of disease to, to patients. I'm not taking, by the way, I'm not taking those yet. <laughs> that was my next question, man. <laughs> not yet. Are you eating the poop? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, if I had the capsule here, I might take it. I mean, you know, they live on my gut anyway, but I think you do. We, but, you know, we, it's not as tough as doing a whole new drug screen, but you still have to test for safety. Right. Oh, wow. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm looking I, at a giant turkey vulture outside. Oh, wow. I did a whole I did. A, I'm so intrigued by turkey vultures. I actually my my music website. I didn't put it on yet, but for my new album, Avian, I did two piano pieces on vultures, part one and part two, because they're so fascinating. I'll send them to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're um, they're huge. We have them out here. They're huge. Yeah, there's a big one right out there on a rock. Yeah. Wow. Um, my gosh. Uh, I um, you're just like this fire hose of brain information here. I have I've been taking pages of notes as we're talking. Um, yeah, I'm just curious. Like when you get together with you know characters like you know Joe Perry and Johnny Depp and people like that, you, you talk about brains and bugs. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, them, I mean, Joe is, is very interested in brain health. In fact, Joe, Joe takes my entire cocktail. Ah, yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe takes a bunch of people, a bunch of very famous people who have had tough lives in music. Yeah. Um, I really feel like they're benefiting by taking the, my, my brain supplement cocktail, you know, um, I, I won't mention the other names, but, you know, but Joe does, Joe, Joe's pretty public about taking it. So, but I mean, yeah. So we, the, the, you know, you have to remember that, like, I don't know about Johnny, but, 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 but like Joe Perry gave up drinking, you know, a long time ago, you know, yeah. most of the band, you know, people say, Oh, what's it like, you know, recording, I did the last hour Smith album, all the keyboards. Right. And, uh, and at least a, a bunch of songs and, and they say, Oh, what's it like you know, recording with Alice Smith in the, in, in the studio there in West Hollywood. And I'm like, it's fun, you know, if you like coconut water and unsalted nuts, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> they're so healthy. They're so healthy. I mean, that, you know, they do drink a lot of coffee, a lot of espresso, a lot of coffee. Caffeine is the drug of choice. Um, but, you know, these guys, they've been through the mill and now they just want to live long and healthy lives. And so they don't even drink, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. want to know about brain health and they're willing to take supplements to do so. Yeah, I think that um, 
I've yeah, I was around those guys when I was younger. So I'm 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 happy they've turned the corner on that. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. And so are you um you know, are you exercising? Do you file follow the shield program? Yeah. See my recumbent bike back there. Oh yeah, right and on. And then I turn my screen and there's my my treadmill and there's my okay. keyboards back there. Okay. Uh, so this is, and I, you know, I get to look out at the woods out here. I mean, I don't want to go back to real work. <laughs> I want to keep doing this. <laughs> I, I, I got to think like we've all from COVID, you know, just had a taste of this other kind. There's an, uh, there's an option right now. The, the option wasn't on the table a year ago. And now we think, oh, mm, this seems much better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm doing more exercise, eating better. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I used to love IPA, you know, drinking IPAs. Mm. And um, uh, and I used to like, like, like a lot of these craft IPAs and mm. San Diego style and the New England style. And I think it's because I was at work and I was hanging out with these guys and it just became accustomed to have an IPA after work. Yeah. And now since I'm home and, you know, my, my wife doesn't like IPAs, God forbid, you know, because there's no one to drink them with, like I had... I tried drinking one the other night and I had like half the can and I, I didn't want to finish it. Like I just, I realized it's just habit. Right. Mm -hmm. I think cutting yeah. out, cutting out beer and, 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 and cutting down the wine, like just cause you're not in a social situation where you're all lubricating to stay social and it, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot healthier as well. You know? Yeah. 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 So I, um, I miss it. I miss it. But when I go back to it, I'm definitely going to be way more mindful about, you know, how much food I eat and how much I drink yeah. because being home all this time taught me there's a better way, you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I think that that sort of, you know, if I can generalize what's happened with COVID, there's just been a lot of um, realization of what we have control over that, um, you know, that we can say yes to certain things and we say no to other things. And, you know, we don't yeah. have to say yes, just because somebody says like, Hey, chocolate cake you can say yes or no you have an option exactly. yeah exactly. um gosh i'm i'm i this is just i always get such a kick out of speaking with you Ruby. Uh, are you playing much music david no so that so the this family secret here is my mom is a is 90 and is a very accomplished musician so piano clarinet and she's professionally trained singer and even at 90, mom's a little creaky, um, but mom can turn it on. And, uh, but me, I got the visual thing going on, but musically I cannot, as my mom says, just make a joyful noise, you know, which yeah. is sort of like a hippo in the <laughs> forest. Yeah. I'm not who you want. Like, no, um, I find music and I think I become Incre oh, you'll love this, Rudy. So um, I become really interesting, really interested in the energetic effects of music. And I got a friend, Barry Goldstein, who was a big pop music producer, and he makes sort of ambient meditation kind of music. And he said, "Here, I'll I'll, I'll send you some." So I, I wear a thing called a, a whoop. I don't endorse them, but I got it, a whoop. Yep, you got a whoop, right? So um, you know, heart rate variability, which, which is how I kind of judge my um, you know, how much stress I'm under. And I, so I listened to Barry's music before I went to bed one night. And the next day, my, um, HRV like doubled 
And I, I was like, oh, this anomaly. So I went back and I listened to it again. Same deal. And I, so I called Barry up and I said, what's up here? What are you doing? And so they've done a lot of studies about the, I don't know exactly quite how it works, but it's, it affects your parasympathetic nervous system and it just chills the whole thing out. Um, and so I think I'm really interested in, you know, since, since he told me that I've now found another thing called focus at will, which is another kind of music that's scientifically done to keep you focused on track on a certain thing. And so what I'm saying to myself, Rudy, it's like, Oh, this is really interesting. So this stuff sort of goes into my brainstem, you know, before I'm not, it's not part of my logic, part of my brain. I'm thinking what else affects that? And I'm thinking like, maybe there's something to aromatherapy. Like maybe there's something to all this stuff. There really is. I mean, I mean, you know, I, 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 I make, I don't, you know, about my light, my glasses, the light and sound glasses that we, what are, what are, what are these things? So this is, uh, so this is, you know, I, I write music for this device that does light flickering to entrain the brain down to theta, which is where you would get with a very successful meditation. So it's a light show through these glasses. And then I write music and record it on the keyboard. So it's again, ambient meditation music yeah. that goes with the lights oh. to try to train your brain to theta. And if, or if you want to get to sleep, we can get you down to Delta. I have another program for that. And uh, originally these glasses and the app, uh, uh, Deepak had, had Deepak Chopra had, uh, was involved in, and um, Deepak named him Dreamweaver, like the old Gary Wright song. And, um, and the company, you know, the company's gone. Uh, it was a, it's a great product. Everyone who tried it loved it, but the marketing and the business side of the company wasn't that good. And they went, they're gone. But I'm, but I'm thinking about bringing it back now. I'm actually talking to some investors right now about bringing it back because when you combine that type of ambient meditation music with uh, uh, a light show that entrains your brain with flickering with your eyes closed, yeah. uh, in this case, and you get the different patterns and colors, but it's entraining your brain down to that slower brainwave of theta. Like right now we're an alpha beta. Um, there's another company that's trying to get your brain waves up to gamma, right? Higher. They think that that's safe and, and, and good for your brain. I, our data suggests theta go the other direction down like the natural resonance of the planet earth, the Schumann frequency, is right at the theta frequency that you would hit if you're having a great meditation. So when you meditate, if you're resonant with the Earth's resonant frequency of Schumann frequency, 7.6 or so hertz, which is, that's a theta EEG. That's what our glasses try to do. And I know, and like we actually, because I'm a scientist and I can do it and I'm in a hospital, we actually went to the best EEG in the hospital, you know, I don't know how many dozens of leads. And we, you know, and we took a neurologist who was most skeptical about this and said, you're full of crap. We said, okay, put it on and get in there. And we did an EEG on the guy and we showed him his, his readout. And after nine minutes, it was like almost perfect theta synchrony across his brain. So the light entrainment's only hitting the visual cortex. Yeah. But it, but it, but over time it entrains the rest of the brain because it's the brain's connected. Right. So we could see, so we could see theta signals all over different parts of the brain with different leads of the EEG. 
So at least when I do this, I can try to scientifically validate we're doing what we think we're doing versus somebody who just makes it up. And so, uh, the, so I'm trying to bring the company back now, but I, but a lot of the music I used for the device that's ambient meditation I have on my music website. Mm. A lot of the, lot, about half of my piano pieces that I do are also ambient meditative for the, the same reason that I just think it's very good for the brain. And, uh, and then the idea is to, to combine those ones again with the lights when we bring these classes back. You know. I want those. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I want those. We'll, we'll talk yeah. offline. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> the, the, the app, see, this is the Bluetooth version I'm showing you. And then the app is gone. So, you know, I'd have to send her the old clunky, you know, iPod like box version that we first used with a wire, but which is uh, if you want to try it. But I, that, it works just as well. But it was a lot easier when, the, when we had the app to do it. I, um, huge market, Rudy. I'm just saying, like, if you look at like, you know, the uptick in antidepressants, drinking, uh, you know, um, drinking opioids, all that stuff over the last year, like mental health, being able to pull, push people down into theta like that. That's yeah. great. And we know yeah. we do it. And, um, I can't tell you how many very stressed out celebrities, some of whom we've already named, who said they've been unable to sleep for five straight days for whatever reason. Yeah. And who said it will never work. And like literally in front of us, you know, put the glasses on and put on the Delta program and just watch that what like within five minutes, just watch their head go down and drool. You know, <laughs> so, you know Del- Delta is the is the <laughs> Delta is also the uh, brainwave that you hit when you're deep sleep and, the, and when the brain cleans itself, when the yeah. microglial cells clean your brain and get right. rid of the amyloid and the debris, that's during Delta sleep or slow wave sleep. Right. So we get you down to Delta and the hope is that in that state, you're also inducing a, you know, one, a rinse cycle of the brain. Yes. I, I call it mental floss, you know, cleaning the brain out. Yeah. So, um, another group though at MIT is uh, using gamma frequency you know, way up at 40 Hertz, where normally we don't reach that. I, I think the only time someone naturally reached 40 Hertz was some Tibetan monks doing a, a, a meta meditation, a love and kindness meditation. But otherwise we don't reach that high. But they found some results in mice that 40 Hertz had a positive effect again on the microglial cells and the inflammation. So they're, they're trying that. We, we're sticking with theta and delta and opposite. Yeah, the more yeah. we talk, the more I remember about things we're doing that I, that I, you know, it's like, you, you just got to keep talking about it till, till you remember what to mention and, and cover. <laughs> your, your level of productivity is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, well, you might just say I'm distracted. Well, <laughs> you never keep doing one thing. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I read, as some people say, it's like, you know, what you learn what you learn from one thing, you know, brings you to the next thing. And, um, there's a lot of cross pollination there. And I, I think I'm, my, I'm convinced it's, you, you know, your music cross pollinates with the science. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Joe Perry and I talked about at the Vatican conference. Exactly that. But mm. I tell you what, you know, what, you know, what really happened to me was, um, it was after nine 11, because I don't know if I ever told you, but I, I, uh, was booked for the nine 11 United flight. Oh, the second flight. Um, uh, there was one that hit the second building mm. and uh, I won't get into the whole story, but bottom line, it was, it was uh, drinking way too much with uh, um, at a, at a, 
a film festival, Boston Film Festival party with Steve Martin, mm. and uh, and and others. I, I and I didn't I didn't get up. I was. I mean, I think I probably drank more that night for whatever reason fate brought me than ever in college. It was just a weird night, and I just you know the alarm clock went off, and I'm like, I can't even get out of bed. And I knew I had a, a backup flight in the afternoon. My secretary had made me because they were refundable tickets from a company that I was going to consult for. So I didn't get on the flight. And then yeah, it was funny because I actually have the ticket frame that I have. United charged me for my, for my upgrade. United actually charged me 20,000 miles for my upgrade to business class. And I had a call there and say, uh, I like my miles back. I wasn't on United flight, whatever it was, 75. And, he said, and the guy said, oh, you weren't on that flight, sir? And I'm like, no, I'm talking to you. And he just stopped. Yeah. And he said, oh, that's spooky. <laughs> so I was like, so, so like I keep those two frames. But what happened, I, I bring up this story because it was after that, that uh, I decided, this was, two, what was it, 2001, that I wasn't going to shy away from anything anymore. Like I said, this is bonus time. And everything I always wanted to do and never did, even though there was a slight opportunity to do so, I said, I'm going to take, I'm just going to seize, seize the day. So there came a chance to write a book with Deepak Chopra. I wrote a trilogy with him, right? They were all, you know, bestsellers did well. Uh, met Joe Perry through, through Rockstars of Science, where Anthony Fauci and was, was posing with Cheryl Crow and, and Francis Collins and I were posing with Joe Perry. And, you know, Francis says to Joe, you know, we play. And next thing you know, we're playing with Joe. Next thing Joe invites me to play. Next thing I'm playing Jay Leno's show with him and recording with Alice Smith. But like anytime opportunities came to just speak up and say, hey, why don't we play? Hey, what do you think about writing a book together? Um, you know, uh, I, when I met Bill Belichick, who's on a board of a company that I'm involved with, and we had dinner, we sat next to each other. And I always wanted to see if I could help football players because I watch football and I feel like a hypocrite because their brains are getting, you know, so, you know, hit every day. And so I said to Bill, hey, what if I come down and, and, and tell you about uh, my ideas for, for protecting the brain? And, and now I've been working with the Patriots six years. I got two Super Bowl rings, you know? And so, I mean, the whole thing was everything changed after 9-11 to just say, go for it. If you meet somebody and there's a chance to do something you always wanted to do, ex just extend yourself, offer yourself and see what happens. And that's why I'm doing all this crazy stuff. Well, it's not crazy to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty great. Yeah. Um, Rudy, you're just a joy. I know you're a super busy guy. Um, I so appreciate your time. And um, now that uh, we're, we're both faxed, we can hang out. I know. We should. Yeah, absolutely. We, 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 we said we would and we will. And um, where, where are you located again? Uh, I'm, as my wife would say, we're taking a break from Los Angeles. And I'm, okay. uh, we live in, well, we're, we're temporarily staying in park city utah and oh that i love park city temporary stay has so far been a year and it looks like it'll be at least another year in fact there's a good chance when we're done with this i'm going to make a high west bourbon manhattan ah there you go that sounds like a great way to end the evening um rudy you're just um you know you're a man of many many extraordinary talents um science the research and the music um amazing so um, have a great rest of the evening and um, take care now. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Okay, thanks. See you, David. 
Thanks for joining us on the Super Age podcast today. It was great to have you with us. Uh, if you look at the links below, we'll leave a link to uh, Rudy's music and you want to check that out. If you would like to contact me directly, it's david at superage.com. Send me an email and I'll get back to you. Please leave a comment. Leave a rating wherever you're listening to us, iTunes, Google, Sketcher, whatever your flavor of the week is. If you'd like to find out more about Rudy, go to the Aegis website and just type into the find button, uh, Rudy, and you'll see the profile that we did on him about eight months ago um, with more stories about Joe Perry and music and the Hammond V3. <laughs> Next week, we've got Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor, the sleep master. He's coming back for another round to answer the questions that all of you have sent in around your sleep issues. So don't miss that one. Everyone, have a wonderful week. It's great to have you with us. We'll see you then. Bye now.